Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Tree Hill Wrestling Federation Podcast Brothers and Sisters. And you said Tree Hill Wrestling Federation. Like, you said it weird. How did I say it weird? You just, like, the way your word word kind of cracked. Yeah. It sounded weird. Okay. <laughs> just saying. Okay. Tree Hill Wrestling Federation Podcast episode 45 season 2 episode 23 this is the season finale for not only one tree hill but this is of a season finale of sorts for the wonderful world of wrestling wwf that is and it is the leavers dance or as we like to call the little beavers dance and i don't get it but I already yeah. told you, Little Beaver is a midget wrestler from fucking WrestleMania 3. Oh, Sorry, little person from WrestleMania 3. Oh, Lord. But, uh, yeah, we're here for the 45th time, the season two season finale for us. Amazing. We've gone through two seasons of this. Don't know how people still put up with us, but thank you for putting up with us. I'm surprised I haven't killed you yet. I'm surprised I haven't killed you years ago. Why? Because I'm perfect in not every way. <gasps> Tree Bro Hill at treehillwf.podcast on the Instagram and the TikTok so you're getting kicked by your son. Oh my god, he's been <laughs> brutal today. Even this morning like when you woke up to go have your shower, I like laid on my back for a few and like he was going insane. He's a lunatic, just oh like his my brother. God, just like his brother. But uh, at Treehillwf podcast on the TikTok and the Instagrams and the Facebooks and all the other social services, uh, much like uh, Threads now threads, as yeah. well. And uh, yeah, picking up the listens, the likes, the subscribes, the loves, the comments, all the things, the shares, you name it. The TikTok, make sure you check it all out and listen to us on every single streaming service, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Audible. Audible, where you're listening about Porta Peak shootings. <laughs> Legit. Yes. I'm on chapter 16, 17 of that right now. Cool. Yeah. Very nice. So you can listen to us on Audible as well, too, and hit up the season two season finale, which is this exact episode. It is the Leavers Dance. And I'm hoping a lot of characters leave at the end of this. Just because we need like a shake who? up. We need a shake up. Brooke's leaving. We know that. Do you think it's permanent? Uh, no, of course not. She's the main character. She hmm. don't leave permanently. But mm -hmm. who else? I'm sure there's some other characters that are possibly leaving as well. But we start the episode off where the, the subtitles of uh, the episode said, 
Fight for Your Right by Beastie Boys. And I'm like, oh, cool, they're going to play Beastie Boys. And then they play, they start playing this other song. I'm like, what the fuck is this bullshit? And it's acoustic. a weird acoustic version of Fight for Your Right. And it was I mean, I like god the acoustic. Awful. It was god-awful compared Dude. to the original. But... Uh, yeah, Brooks leaving. I mean, I'm not a Beastie Boys fan at all. So oh, you're gonna catch a lot the of hate only, for that. yeah, well, I don't care. <laughs> um, the only way I can tolerate them is acoustic. They don't scream and yell. So you, you, okay, you, you know, listen to metal and emo where they scream and yell, but not as irritating. Maybe to you. But maybe to the, you know... BC ten, Boys have always irritated me. Maybe to the tens of millions of fans that adore them and love them and buy their albums and how much they are legends for the rap genre. But you know what? You can't judge me for not liking BC Boys just like I can't judge certain people for not liking the used. Okay. Right? Okay. So I'm allowed... To say I don't like BC Boys. Well, get ready for the fucking social media shitstorm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Brooke is leaving. Okay, good riddance, bitch. No one cares about you. Deb Fuck. is out of rehab. I love Brooke. Fuck it. How do you uh, not love Brooke? I just don't. She's, She's sweet. Bitch. She's sweet. Don't care. Ugh. Deb's out of rehab, though. She is, and she's waiting for Dan to pick her up, but Whitey shows up. He wants to talk to her. Mm. Wants to have a conversation, because here's the thing. Dan's a fucking snake, and he wants Deb to know about the whole High Flyers thing, like everything that's going on, and he kind of told Dan... That she was getting out later or whatever and kind of fibbed a little bit so he could have this chat with Deb beforehand. Right. Yeah. See where that goes. Yeah. Now, Peyton has this uh, mysterious woman. That looks eerily like her, but older. That is wanting to talk to her. She says she works for Alternative Press Magazine and she's writing a column or an article on this girl who has this club night and has got Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, booked Jimmy Eat World and the Wreckers. And she's like, oh, that's cool. But like right now she's kind of not into that because... You know, everything with that's been going on with Jake. And she's just not really into the idea of it right now. She's kind of like wanting to abandon her club night. Did you like right away where I was like, is this Peyton's mom? Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like that? No. That I successfully predicted, much like you successfully predicted Shawn Michaels being the (laughs) guest referee. I guess that's true. I can't get mad. Uh I can't get mad. Yes. Um. Although something at the end of the episode, uh, this episode, I can get mad at you for. Oh, why is that? Yes. We'll talk about it at the end. Mm, okay. Okay. At the end. Okay. Because <laughs> I did not look up a spoiler at all about that. Okay, brother. So her name's Ellie. Yes, Ellie. And she approaches Peyton at Trick and she just like goes and moves this... Pe- 
keg for Peyton. And Peyton's like, he seems like you've done this before. So Peyton's kind of like, just not into the idea of chatting with her really, though. She thinks it's cool that she's met all these people and works for this magazine that she adores. And honestly, I used to get Alternative Press AP magazine. AP was pretty big back in the day. Yeah. I fucking loved it. I had the um, one with Fall Out Boy in the cover. Yes, you would. Oh, fuck yeah, I would. I had I had quite a few issues. Um, and then I just, they were hard to find. So I didn't really buy them that much. I would just kind of look it up online. But yeah. Love, love Alternative Press. Alternative Press, uh, does it have the same kind of info in it, much like a Dan's Ledger that now Lucas knows about that's in the oh wall safe? Oh, God. Well, Lucas knew about the ledger. He just didn't know about the safe. So Andy sent or gave Karen a package to give to Lucas when he was leaving and said, just make sure Lucas gets this. And it has a CD, like a DVD, um, that he has gotten from the security camera or company and that he owns. And uh, he's given that to Lucas so Lucas can find out what the code is and Dan's finished. Or so it would seem. Fuck off with that <laughs> bullshit. Uh, question though, are we going to see Andy again? Or is he just done? Can't tell you. Ah, damn. Can't tell you. Shit deal. Were you starting to get attached to Andy? Kinda. I think he's a good dude. He I is like a his good character. Dude. He's pretty awesome, honestly. So that's a guy that I don't want to do to the Leavers dance. <laughs> oh Lord. Deb visits Nathan at the apartment, and that apartment is looking pretty fucking bare right now. Mm, yeah. Well, he's moving back in with a dear old daddyo. And Deb seems a little apprehensive mm. on that. She seems quite unconvinced that it's actually going to happen. Them being a big happy family again. Well, especially after her chat with Whitey. I'm sure that before when she went into rehab and dad said that he'd be there when she got out and everything. And, you know, she was maybe convinced that they could be a happy family again, possibly. And when she was getting out and she was waiting for Dan, she seemed like that's what she was waiting for. But, Nana. you know, Whitey is quite in the know of all the Dan bullshit. So he's probably set her straight on that. So going back to this whole Ellie thing here, we keep getting this uh, very cryptic instant message to Peyton. Okay, but... Who? That's creepy. Watch me watch you. Yeah, and then literally messages her, I'm watching you. I'm That's watching you. so fucking creepy. Yeah. I mean, so I know her creepy. whole punk and disorderly, anybody could watch her, but to be able to find her I am and, and have a name, watch me watch you and say, I'm watching you and watch me watch you watching me watching you. Just like a, do you think that I think you're think that I think? Oh my God. Don't confuse me right now, dude. (laughs) So Brooke scares the shit out of Peyton though, because Peyton gets this message. She covers up her camera because she's like, what the fuck? And Brooke goes in and scares the shit out of Peyton. 
She's like, do you know anyone with this I am, like, username? And Brooke's like, sounds kinky. I'm into it. (laughs) I love Brooke. She's so awesome. Sure. Oh, my God. Get over it. You'll learn to love her. Uh, I am telling you, by the end of the series, you will be like, holy fuck, Brooke is amazing. Where she's come at the beginning to the end of it. She has probably one of the best arcs. Like character arcs. Villain origin story. Going from this preppy, spoiled, broke teenage girl. <laughs> yeah. Into the woman she becomes. Like, holy fuck. I am telling you, Brooke is incredible. I love her so much. I, at the start of the series, I thought she was, I kind of thought the same way as you even after two seasons i started she was growing on me in season two Mm -hmm. just because she was really trying to put away those childish antics and compared to felix she seemed amazing because felix was such a piece of shit literal dog shit would be offended if you called it felix so anything looks good oh. next to that fucking waste of oxygen. But yeah, I I just, I grew to love Brooke so much. And I do, like, I'm still reading that um, book that's kind of molded after, like, season two of One Tree Hill. And it is from Brooke's point of view. So I'm reading a different, like, side to Brooke. It's interesting. No, about Lucas and Brooke together, though, because as as Brooke says, Lucas was her gangrene infected amputated limb. Who is that for you? My, who is my gangrene infected <laughs> amputated limb? Yep. Oh, uh, I don't need to name names on the podcast here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case they might listen to it, dude. Oh, no. <laughs> But uh, one name I will mention is Keith, and not just any Keith, not just Keith Scott, but Ghost Keith or Phantom Keith. Or maybe it was the real Keith. Or maybe it could have been the real Keith. So Karen is wiping down a table or taking someone's order at the cafe, and she looks up, and across the street, she sees Keith standing there looking at her. With his hands in his pockets. And then a truck drives by. And picks him up. And he's gone. He just jumped right into the fucking truck. So do you think it possibly could have been him and then he just made a really quick split? Or it was her imagination? Does Karen just randomly see things? That's the question here. I mean, this is kind of the first thing we are seeing of this, though. That's the thing is we have no consistency on her uh, uh, mental abilities and how she could uh, foresee ghosts across the street from her cafe oh my god so we really don't know but ellie is now in this fucking karen's cafe and peyton walks in and sees her again and peyton's a little i mean i i think peyton was going to meet her there um from the start but she shows up and Peyton's kind of like she's wearing a hoodie and she's got her hair tied up. You can tell she seems a little nervous. 
Uh, not just nervous, just like she's been through some shit, so she's not really putting much of an effort. And Ellie kind of calls that right away. It's like, oh, you're probably dealing with guy issues because you have your hair up, you're not really dressed up, no makeup, blah, blah, blah. And you take a look at this jacket. I stole it from fucking Courtney Love. Oh, my God. <laughs> or, or so she says. And uh, she was saying Courtney Love is being a real bitch, which I would completely agree with. Do you think Ellie has any ties to the music industry at all? Uh, maybe or do you think she's just playing it off? Uh, yeah, a little from column A, a little from column B. Maybe she does have some sort of history there, but maybe not as much as she says. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Lucas is going to Dan Scott Motors to figure out that safe code. Man. And there happens to be a picture to the left of where the safe is. And it's got like three cars, race cars with numbers on them. And too obvious, man. So Lucas puts in those numbers and he realizes that's incorrect. But then he turns around and he sees these pictures, a picture of Dan, number 33 for his jersey number. Nathan, number 23, and then Lucas, number three. And it's kind of odd the way the pictures are placed. They go in the same order as those cars in the picture. So Lucas literally punches in three, three, two, three, three. three. That is not the smartest safe code, bro, but... Fuck, whatever. Do you ever have the, the fucking locker in middle school or high school? You have to go around twice past zero, put it to Literally the Literally, our safe at work is one of those. go all the way back past that number to yeah. the next number, and then it gets tight, and then you can fucking open it up. Our safe is like that at work. Nice. Yeah. No push button code. I wish it was, though, because, man, that but- safe, I, I've opened it once. And I fuck it up every time I try. Terrible. Uh, I totally called these jersey numbers. It's way too fucking obvious. But the unfortunate thing is, it is way too fucking obvious. Speaking of, uh, there seems to be a theme to this episode, okay? So Deb is obviously on the warpath to try to eradicate Dan somehow. But she mentions that she wants him to burn in hell. Mm-hmm. Fire. Burning in hell. Mm-hmm. You know what this leads to? Kane is love, Undertaker. Oh, my God. He's love. Charred body. Scars. Skin Can we rips. get through the rest of the episode before we talk about fucking wrestling? <laughs> Come on, it's bro. It's really hard for me, dude. But Kane's alive. So Lucas figures out the safe code. He finds the ledger and he grabs it, brings it with him. Because he's going to show that ledger to the people that need to see it. So Lucas ends up having, like, he goes home and Brooke is trying on her cheerleading uniform in his room because that's the room she's been using. And I guess they have a moment and they t- 
talk and start making out and start ripping each other's clothes off after he spills his guts. And then he says. And then he makes and like he hopes this isn't a dream. No, he says, is this a dream? And then he falls out of bed. Yeah, literally (laughs) falls out of bed. And then he goes and has a cold shower. And Brooke is trying to talk to him about something. Like, she, he's taking too long in the shower. And then she's like, the water's going to be cold by the time I get in there. It's already cold. It's already cold. And she's like, ew. (laughs) As you can full well see Lucas's cheeseburger tattoo in plain view once again. Oh, my God. He hasn't got that burned off with acids yet, unfortunately. Oh, Lord. They do lasers now, dude. This is 2005, dude. They do lasers. (laughs) Karen is going to go to New Zealand. Or she's thinking about it. And abandon her son once again. That's two for two, abandoning her son every single season of the show so far. I mean... I mean... I mean, she's abandoning her son. But here's the thing. Here's the really interesting thing. Karen's been trying to call the hotel where Andy's supposed to be checking in. And he's not there. He's not there. He hasn't checked in. He hasn't arrived. Like, nothing. And she's, like, getting curious. Like, what the hell? So where the hell is Andy? Who knows? Like, what the fuck happened? Don't know. Did he even go? Did he get involved in a fiery plane crash? Stop with fire. (laughs) Don't do it. Fire, dude. So, Peyton decides to call up Alternative Press. She decides, yeah, she's going to do the interview. And she's like, I want to talk to Ellie Harp. And they're like... Uh, we've never heard of her. Who the fuck is We've Ellie? never heard. Who the fuck is this guy? We've never heard of this interview, an article, or anything. Like, doesn't exist. And Peyton's like, what the fuck? This bitch needs to stay away from me. And she keeps getting these creepy ass messages, too. But uh, there's not... a block button. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But not only that, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean... Uh, that it's this Ellie character that's actually instant instant messaging her though. Doesn't mean that no, but you know, it's pretty suspicious that she starts getting these messages at the time that Ellie makes an appearance, right? True. So she's very suspicious of this. Ellie's swearing that it's not her. Ellie doesn't seem like that instant messaging type though, <laughs> especially in two thousand five. Oh, goodness. So Lucas takes Dan's ledger and shows it to Deb and talks about all of the stuff that him and Andy have been doing to dig this up. And apparently it's the smoking gun that could take down the fucking impenetrable Dan Scott. I would love to see it happen. So she has it and... Dan confronts her about it, says, where's the ledger? Mm-hmm. And uh, Dan kind of reminds Deb that Dan Scott Motors is her business. Yeah. She bought it. It's in her name because 
Dan didn't have the money to buy it. It was Deb's money. So the person who would be going to prison in all of this, yeah, Dan could get in shit too, but the business is under Dan or Deb's name. So she would take a one-way trip from rehab straight to prison? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> like Dan says, one institution to the next. And she's still fucking pill shilling again. I mean, she hasn't stopped. Rehab hasn't done a damn thing for her. She's still at the pills. Okay, but here's the thing. Your husband, you find out he's been doing this illegal activity, and then he comes and tells you that you're the one that would be in shit for it. I'd, bro, I'd be back on the pills too. Fuck. But she wants Nate to get out of this shit and go to High Flyers. She's encouraging him to do so. Yes. She wants him to go so that she can find a way to get them out of this. While, like, he's away, he's not thinking about it. Not his problem. Just get yourself away from your father, basically. Yeah. So, Dan and Whitey have an altercation. Because Dan doesn't want Nathan to go. To High Flyers, that's right. And Whitey is kind of the one that's saying, he's, he's got to go, yeah. right? Like, this is something he needs, and Dan doesn't want him to. And Dan was the one who initially pushed for him to go in the first place. So it's like, bro, you're a fucking idiot. Like, So Dan's playing the card where he's on the board of directors or whatever for the school, the school council, that chooses mm-hmm. who fucking coaches the basketball team. And he's saying that, hey, maybe uh, the Ravens might need a new coach next year. Dan is such a fucking snake. <laughs> Love you, Paul, but Dan is such a fucking snake. And uh, Whitey says, uh, you're playing with fire, Dan. And he if you does play say with that. fire, maybe you're about to get burnt. Oh, my God. This kid's alive, so Deb talks to Nathan about like obviously Nathan's aware of this ledger business because Deb told him. But then Deb had also revealed that Lucas found this information. So Nathan is pissed with Lucas and he's done with his lies. Yeah, literally. You said you were done digging up shit on my dad. Clearly you weren't. So fuck you. Yeah, so he basically turns brothers off. Like yeah. no more brothers. No bros. I'm going to High Flyers. When I come back, we're done. We're not bros. We're not bros. Yep. And not only that, too, (sighs) he's not even fucking Dan's son anymore either. Yeah, because now Dan is like, you know, the the money in the ceiling was fake. It was just like it looked like it was a stack of bills. But when you look at the rest of the bills, not the one on top, they have no print on them. Yep. And uh, the ledger just did end up being Grand Theft Auto San Andreas codes as well, too. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just as much like our TikTok. (sighs) Bro. But, uh, yeah, so he basically just no-sells Lucas, Dan does, mm-hmm. and says, you're not my fucking son anymore because I put all this into fucking fruition that this was a fucking test to test how loyal you'll be to me as my son, mm-hmm. as my fucking cat is chasing his tail. 
<laughs> what a dummy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's trying to test the loyalty, and Lucas fucking failed the test. So guess what? You lose, and not only that, not only do you fail the test, not only do you lose, <laughs> you're gonna die now too. <laughs> Your heart medication is no longer being paid for. Yeah, that's the real kicker. That's so that. it's either Lucas needs to come clean to his mom to get the heart medication. Or figure out something else in some way and just, yeah. Lucas, finally, Brooke is like getting everything ready to leave. She's waiting for her taxi. She's sitting there and she's like, no one's really come to say bye to her yet. So she's like sitting there waiting and she's like, okay, bye. Like, bye, Brooke. Have a great summer. Yeah. She's just kind of like... I mean, everyone's got their shit going on, but she kind of hoped that at least someone would drop by. Maybe, you know, Lucas, the guy whose room she's basically stolen for how many months. So Lucas does show up. And as the fucking taxi is honking to say, hey, I'm here. He actually finally spills his fucking guts to Brooke. Yeah, he kisses her. Why does he wait till now to do this, though? Like, what a fucking idiot. It's so Hollywood. It's like, no, I couldn't have told her a week ago, three days ago, two days ago, a month ago. It has to be literally the last second as she's leaving to make it the most fucking awkward shit ever. And she's crying because she's like... How are you supposed to have closure with this? Fuck, like, now I'm going to be thinking about this all summer. And, like... Yeah, I get her frustration with that because if, say, it was me and you and you didn't tell me how you felt about me mm-hmm. yeah, until like the last possible second when I was like You're moving to Nova Scotia, moving away or something, <laughs> I'd be like, fuck you, honestly. Uh, sorry, babe. Like, I actually really love you. I know you're moving to Nova Scotia right now, but uh, I love you and I don't want you to go. But I guess it is what it is. Like, fuck you. What the fuck? Lucas is such a fucking moron. He's such a terrible character. He's such an idiot. He talks about how much of a fucking baby face he is. Do you like Brooke more than him? I don't like either of them, honestly. I think they (laughs) could just go fucking, go both die. Maybe murder-suicide pack. That'd be okay. Oh, my God. So, Ellie calls Peyton. And she's not Ellie. And so she's trying to call Peyton and Peyton's like, leave me alone. Like, you not who you say you are, like, leave me alone. And she actually shows up at Peyton's house and is like, Peyton, my name's not even like Ellie. It's Elizabeth. Elizabeth is your middle name. Like your middle name. I'm your mother. And Peyton's like, what the fuck? Because Peyton's mom died, died in a car accident yeah. when she was like seven or something. Whatever it was, yeah. So she's like, what the actual fuck? What does this mean? Who's your mommy? It's Ellie, but not Ellie. It's Elizabeth, I guess. But I mean, Ellie short for Elizabeth. So all know. we know is that mommy's always on top. Oh, my God. So Dan gets this mystery bottle of scotch or whiskey or something. Um, And he cracks it open. It's got a card and it just says, Dan, and then everything for everything you've you've done done on the little card inside. 
So Dan opens this up and he's starting to drink this bottle. He's got glasses prepared in his office. That's fine. Whatever. You do you, bro. And so he's just laughing at all this shit about the ledger and all of his fuckery bullshit. And eventually... He starts we're, to start feeling it a little bit, though. Well, he's realizing that he's feeling woozy. Yeah. A little too woozy. And he notices that there's a white powdery substance on the open neck of the bottle. And he's realizing, shit, I've been drugged. Oh, God. I've What the fuck is this? So he starts feeling it. And then we see a hand, this gloved hand with a black jacket, <laughs> black glove with a lighter. So Dan has knocked over the glass. He's knocked over his phone. There's alcohol literally on the floor. And then this hand is lighting this lighter and throws it at the spilled alcohol. You know who it is? I know who it is. That's gonna be Kane! Oh, fuck off. But <laughs> here's, here's the love! It could be anyone at this point because there's so many people who have been so mysterious in these last like few little scenes. And there's so many people who have motive. Well, that's the thing. It's like, let's go down the fucking list of people this could possibly be. Okay. Karen. Lucas. Karen could easily have done this. Who knows? She hates Dan. Karen. Yeah. Okay? Lucas could easily have done this because mm-hmm. uh, he also hates Dan. Uh, fucking Keith could have done this for all the shit that he got put through. Plus with the fucking ghosty Keith earlier, who knows if that was a ghosty Keith. And he's not fucking at the hotel he said he's supposed to be at, so it could be him as well. He could have just not left yet. Could be fucking Maria Menounos for all the shit that they went through. Could be fucking Nathan for saying, I had to go take care of something. Yeah, Nathan shows up at, you know, his parents' house, like his house, and... He's walking in the house and Deb's like, oh, I've been here all night. So it could also be Deb. And Nathan's like, oh, I had something I needed to do. Yeah, And then, yeah, Deb also says, I've been here all night, like making a point of saying that. Yeah. Right. So Deb is also a suspect as well. Yeah. So there's literally like almost a dozen people here. Whitey. Whitey, Whitey. Yeah. You're going to get burnt. You're playing with fire. Kane's alive. Could be Paul Bear. Who knows? Do you think it could have been Haley? Because Haley. Haley came back. Also comes back. There's a knock oh, at the door at the God. Scott residence. And Nathan opens <laughs> the door and it's and Haley. It's Haley making her big fucking giant comeback at Nathan's door. And even for just the cherry on top, Lucas narrates us out uh, to the end of this episode. And, uh, you know, the fucking office is burning down all this. Ava says that there's no way out. And I haven't said this word yet in this podcast yet, but amalgamate, brother, because there is a pay-per-view in 1998, early 1998, that is called No Way Out. And here's another like thing too. So Deb gets the call that something's up, right? Yeah. That they need to go. And it's just like something's wrong with Nathan's father. Yep. So Okay, what's wrong this time? So First it was the, a heart attack. Well, that's the thing, is the two consecutive season finales. We think Dan might be dead. <laughs> <laughs> 
They One could to, only hope. They had to. No, we don't want Dan to die. That's not why. Because right. he's the fucking goat, <sighs> in my humble opinion. And also give this a humble dollar sign four point four four. Mm. One of my highest ratings yet. Really enjoyed this episode. Love the who done it, uh, who shot Jr. Who burned down Dan's office? Who shot Mr. Burns? This whole fucking who done it uh, angle that they're running here, and uh, you know I would have had a hard time if I watched this season two in two thousand five and had to wait for season three all the way to September later. You in the li- year. we're literally watching it this week. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying if I was watching this <laughs> back know. when the show aired, I'd be like, oh fuck, I gotta wait so fucking long for this shit. That would suck. To be on that cliffhanger for so mm-hmm. long, but it make all that anticipation so much more worth it. And yes, I will be watching this probably in the next couple of days, and I'm very excited to see. Although I don't know if they'll actually tell us who did it in the first episode. We may have to wait longer. Not necessarily who did it, but you know, it's just a nice. Start we get to, to learn some more details about this whole season. Three thing. is literally my favorite season, so I'm so excited that season two is finally over. Yeah, and we're getting to like season three, season three, season four, season five. Those are like the top seasons for me, and they're just elite. I love them so much. So I feel like after watching season three or four and five as well too is that i will realize how much of a slog it was to get through season two. Oh yeah a hundred percent like you you have had pretty decent like ratings for season two compared to season one um and it's been like okay he's rating these this no point high with no point of reference because you know except here's the thing that i was gonna say that i was getting mad at you for this turd so i did not look up a single spoiler about the sean michaels thing uh-huh. um with this guest referee i literally just guessed that because they've had a guest referee you before the guest referee um and <laughs> fuck off <laughs> and they do like guest commentators all the time sure. so they needed to do something different like what's going to be big for a pay-per-view that made sense so you were all like oh you looked up a spoiler no i didn't here's the thing i've watched this show multiple times we have either had a tiny ass duplex that we lived in with one living room and tv or, you know, my brother lived downstairs here and we were upstairs and you've maybe caught me watching it or you've snuck a peek. Well, that's the thing is that there. this is like fucking five, six years ago that you were watching One Tree Hill in front of me. And at that point, you were trying to get me to watch it with you. It wasn't, I snuck a peek through the crack of the door and wanted to watch, oh, lordy, fucking One Tree Hill just to get that sneak peek. No, it was like you, hey, this show's great. You should watch this with me. Look at this. This person dies. This says this. This, oh my God, dude. Don't put the onus on me because you've been trying for half a fucking decade (laughs) to get me to watch this shit. So, of course, when I sit down one or two times and start watching, I was like, oh, they're setting this dude's fucking office on fire. You you totally, like, said the fire thing and also that 
um Peyton's mom thing and I was like you motherfucker <laughs> you do you know motherfucker this? you but know then, how I know this because my fucking memory is better than yours because I remember this shit but also too like it. I'm just verifying for everyone he hasn't seen all episodes all the way through um oh yeah just bits and pieces just bits and pieces when he's like passing through like i haven't he's never agreed fully to setting sitting down and watching anything with me until now but because like they just put this on prime video in canada pretty recently so i had just as we were starting this podcast i was in season three of a run through for myself so, yeah. Yeah, it's, dude. It's possible he's seen tiny bits and pieces, and he may remember it. He might not. It's all I really remember, we'll honestly. See. After that, it's kind of a blur. I don't really... I, I didn't really, really pay attention, but that's a couple things that kind of stuck out to me. Fire. Fire. Yeah. Well, you don't forget a guy's office being burnt down in front of him. <laughs> Yeah. But specifically the season two finale, there's bits and pieces that definitely, you know, stand out for me. Mm. But either way, yes, I know that. No, it's not Bam Bam Bigelow. You get, uh, you play with fire, you get burnt. It's fucking Dan Scott. And he's getting fucking burnt up right now. But the way they film it, it's like, how the fuck would he ever survive this? Maybe there's a fucking guardian angel that he has uh, that saves him from said fire. Who Who knows? I don't. Maybe. Whoever set the fire realizes, oh shit, this isn't the smartest idea and saves him. Or someone else knows about the fire and what's going on. Oh, it could be any some passerby. Passerby, something. Who knows? Maybe the fire department are just happen to be down the street. (laughs) Who knows? You'll just have to wait and see (sighs) for a day or two. Yeah, not a fucking. (laughs) entire summer's worth of rerun television to get to the season premiere of season three but we won't have to wait any longer to see august 3rd 1997 in front of 20,213 peeps in east rutherford new jersey it's in quotations the summer slam as brett the hitman heart would say Oh, you love this pay-per-view, didn't you? Now, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, take out the last five minutes of the pay-per-view. Just take that away. Push that out of your brain. What did you think of this whole show? Take the last five minutes out. Okay, so if I were to start, like, you know, you know what? Let's do the breakdown after we talk about it. Because I'll break it down after we talk about it when I'm going to give my official rating. Because I don't even know my official rating yet. I'm so fucking conflicted on this one. (laughs) So fucking conflicted. I know. And we had uh, my my best friend, good old Double J. (laughs) J-U-S-T-I-Double-N. That's Justin Johnson. And he's my boy. And this is his all-time favorite pay-per-view. Much like my all-time favorite non-WrestleMania pay-per-view which or Royal Rumble pay-per-view, which is Canadian Stampede, we, which we watched recently. This is the culmination of all that is wonderful in the world of Canada versus the United States of America. And we start with America the Beautiful, or Oh Say Can You See, 
or Jose Canseco. I don't know. One wow. of their fucking national anthems. No one cares. But we're here in East Rutherford, New Jersey. It's time for fucking SummerSlam. And it's your first SummerSlam. And I'm so excited because it's 1997's version of said SummerSlam. And we started out with the fucking cage match. Cage match curtain jerks on SummerSlam. They're jerking the curtain. That's what they're doing. Oh my God, dude. That's what it is. The first <sighs> match, they go through the curtain. They're the first ones to jerk the curtain. It's called a curtain jerker. Oh my God, dude. What the fuck? Wrestling speak, bro. But it is fucking not hippie mankind. It's icky mankind. <laughs> so that's our differentiator. Not so icky mankind. Well, I mean, he still looks like he hasn't wiped his ass properly. <laughs> When he's, you know, in his regular mankind attire, but when he's hippie mankind, like, dude's fun. Dude's <laughs> yes, fun. Yes. But yeah, he, it's dude's him. fun. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, it's Ziggy Mankind, who we still love. Oh yeah. Uh, up against Diz Hunter Prince. Hurst Helmsley, otherwise known as Diz Prince. With China in tow, of course. With who? <laughs> China, China, China. People think I don't like China. I love China. China. China is the new China, by the way. China, China, China. I deal with China. China, China, big league China. So don't tell me about China. I know China. China. And by the way, I love China. I mean, I love China. How can you not love China? I love China. China, China. So the fucking big cage match opens the show. And a big reason why uh, cage match would open the show at this time is because you saw the big blue cage with the big blue bars. Yeah, they got to set it up. It's a hella setup. They're super heavy. It takes a while. 20 yeah. to 30 minutes sometimes just to set this fucking thing up with the whole crew of guys. So they get it set up before the show. It's ready to go by bell time. So yeah, they start the show. Yeah, that shit was show. beastly. Huge fucking cage. Solid fucking steel. This fucking cage doesn't fuck around. Eventually, they would switch to more of a mesh style later years. Uh, but these big blue bars, they hurt like fucking shit. Big blue balls? Big blue. Big blue. Big blue blars. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, we got the fucking cage match, trips. Right? Up. So, okay. So, psychology, brother. Uh, wouldn't it make the most sense? The bell rings. and you just rush to the fucking door and try to get out right away? Wouldn't that make the most sense? Well, yeah, but that's not as entertaining. But logically speaking, I know I'm trying to bring logic into an illogical situation as professional wrestling, but would that make yeah, the most... professional wrestling is so fucking highly illogical. illogical. So that's why it's hard to bring logic to the illogical situation. But wouldn't that make the most sense is that the heel would just try to run out the door right away and win the match in seconds? Well, yeah. Totally. But that's not as fun. I don't understand why more wrestlers should do that, or wouldn't do that. But uh, yes, it's not nearly as entertaining, even though it is a race to the floor. But uh, we get to the point where uh, Mankind's looking pretty good. He's taking down trips. He's getting over the cage. And then China comes up. The cage is meant to deter China from interfering. But yeah, the cage of course. Does no. It does jack shit. <laughs> the, the cage does no Fuck. such thing to deter China. And she punches Mick straight in the ass. I think it was meant to be more of a low blow, but the way he was angled, it looked like it was just an a ass shot right for into sure. the fucking hole. <laughs> it was a punch right in the hole. 
but he sold it uncomfortable (laughs) but he sold it like a low blow but then it ended up turning into a superplex off the top of the cage which was insane and the angle they hit it looked super dangerous as well but mankind you know he takes out triple h he's looking pretty good in this match he slams him from fucking pillar to post over and over again and then fucking holy shit he's trying to get out the door and then China comes over, and Aww. Mankind's got his head out a little bit too far this door. China comes around, throws away the referee. Slams it on his Whoa, head. Oh, my God. Okay, and I've, and I've read Mick Foley's book. I've listened to his podcast, and he said this was absolutely one of the most painful things he's ever gone through in his entire career. And that's saying something, because the dude literally broke every bone of his body, I think, in his entire career. He doesn't like, have part of an ear. He's missing an ear. He had concussion after concussion after torn ligaments after fucking busted this and broken that and contused this and sprained this. And he says after all of that, every single injury he had in his 20-plus year career, this was the thing that almost hurt more than anything else because it's solid fucking steel his head was out too far and china didn't care she did as hard as she could because she knows she had to make it look good and that's exactly what she did she fucked him up probably had a concussion after that but then as he gets back in the ring china's on the side of the cage trying to interfere again and then mankind he fucking reverses a pedigree into a slingshot and throws fucking triple h right into china i think that's one of the first like real bumps that China has taken since she's been with the company. Yeah, she gives them. No, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, all the time. But uh, now she's actually starting to take bumps herself. And how do you feel about uh, men starting to beat up China? I mean, it's only fair. Like, okay, if say it were Marlena, like any of the other women that. Yeah. You know, they're super petite. There's not sure, much harm yeah, they can do. Like half of everyone else's side. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be down with that. But with China, she beats the shit out of these guys all the time. Yeah. So it's time that they kind of turn their, like, their backs on her and start doing it back. Because you know what? Like, I get the whole, oh, you don't hit a girl, whatever. But, yeah, but she also, you. she's the one that's provoked them. And also, she can uh, has obviously proven that she can put up a fight herself. Yeah. So why not include her in the fight? Yeah. So now she's going down the road. Maybe she could be one of the first women to pioneer wrestling men. Yeah, maybe. Could be. I, I mean, I can't see why not exactly she's built enough she's strong enough to do it right she's fucking lifted some of the biggest fucking guys like come on oh absolutely like body slamming fucking 300 plus pound dudes right jesus so here we are fucking so after that slingshot he gets triple h back in the ring and gives him a double arm ddt on the fucking chair and he scales a cage and he's mere steps away from winning this match all he has to do is drop down a couple rungs, and this match is fucking over. And unfortunately, China, yes, yeah, she is still very green in this business. She jumps the gun on the finish. So she goes into the ring to drag Triple H out, which is the finish of this match. The whole photo finish race to the floor. Mm-hmm. Triple H and China. China pulling out Triple H to the floor before Mankind could get to the floor, scaling the cage. So she comes in. She's like, okay, it's the finish. I got to pull you out. And Triple H's like, get the fuck out of here. This isn't the finish yet. 
<laughs> He's going to hit his dive. And that's what mankind does. What the fuck did you think here? Mankind stops before he gets to the bottom. He is a step away from winning this match. He gets back up the cage, goes to the top, and jumps off the fucking cage. Elbow drop. Oh, my God. 300 pounds of fucking I mean, that's this guy's dream. He hitchhiked 18 hours to Madison. Heart. Whoa, that's different. I like it. (laughs) H-A-R-T. No. (laughs) Madison Hart or Bret Hart. No. Garden. Why did I say heart? <laughs> Why Fuck. did you say heart? <laughs> Madison Hart Garden. He hitchhiked there for 18 hours so you can see Jimmy Snuka jump off the fucking top of the cage against Don the Rock Morocco. So he did that. And now here we are again in New Jersey, close enough to New York, goes to the top of the cage, rips his shirt. He's got the heart tattoo. He's got the mask off elbow drop what a fucking move and what a match like for the first match on the card this was a banger match yeah that was this great was an awesome match so he gets back up scales the cage again china actually gets the finish low-key it was my favorite it was really good it was really good because highly enjoyed it a lot of the other shit is like meh it's yeah it's up and down it's okay but, uh, yeah, this is a great match. So he scales the cage once again. I liked it better than the final match. Oh, we'll get to that, brother. <laughs> Hold in your anger till then. Suppress it for now, dude. <laughs> Not quite a lot of anger to come out with oh, this Oh, I know. One. I know you're going to cut a gigantic promo on the main event. But <laughs> that's what Aaron Cosker does, brother. By the way, I am Sean Harris. And I am Aaron Cosker. Yeah. Why are we introducing ourselves in like and the middle 50, of this? At the 53-minute mark? <laughs> because we forgot to do it at the beginning, brother. And I also forgot to set amalgamate at the beginning. And I'm doing that now to amalgamate. So You already said it in the One Tree Hill part. But I didn't intro the amalgamate at the beginning. Mm. And I have to do that now. Look at how fat our cat is. Man, she's a fatty. Holy shit. Little chunk. Oh my goodness. And the only... Uh, what time is it? Osborne, it's jenny craig time for you <laughs> <laughs> but the mask is off he comes back down china actually gets the finish correct this time pulls triple h out it's the photo finish it's the race to the floor and mankind gets it about mm, one or i two was so seconds. happy i was like he did it! he did it and you were so invested into this match well, because I want, I, he's been, like, Diz Prince and China have been, like, on top this whole time. And it was time they were brought down a few notches. Absolutely. It was about time. Yep. And no one better to do it than Icky Mankind. Right, totally. Could have been Hippie Mankind. Either way, you it know. Happened. It happened. It happened. And I love how Mick is playing two separate characters over these shows now. It's hilarious. He comes out one second as Dude Love and then he comes out as Mankind. I love how at the end, like after he won, they started playing his hippie Mankind music. And I was like... He was like smiling. He was so happy. He's like smiling. He's like you see his foot. Like the camera like goes in on his foot. He's like tapping. Yeah, his when foot. he was like out, like laying. You thought on he the... was out, and yeah. then all of a sudden the dude love music plays. You see his foot. Then he gets up and he's doing the dance. And he's yeah. fucking the spirit of dude love is alive. Yeah. 
Oh man, what a great match! I absolutely loved awesome. it. And yes, I felt like, but that's what wrestling does, brother. They put the heel on top. He beats down the face over and over and over and over again, and then finally, just finally, that heel gets his comeuppance. The face gets the big win, and because they took so long to get to that point, the anticipation and all that time that we worked and built towards this big baby face win over this hated heel just makes that win that much better. Yeah. And so here we are, the big cage match, and Mankind gets the W, and he has the spirit of dude love deep inside him. Uh, right post match, of course, they have to have a bit of a break because they got to take down this fucking behemoth of a cage. And Can they... I just rate each match? Yes, please, please. Just give us each a individual match out of five. What did you give that match? Five. five out of five. I loved it. Wow. It was my favorite. Now, what match do you like more, this match or Bulldog and Owen in Germany for the European title? Ooh. Right. Right. Ooh. I believe that fucking Dave Meltzer, that piece of shit, gave this cage match a two and a half out of five. What the, Get the fuck? fuck? That was so here. good. Great fucking match. FDM. Fck Dave Meltzer. <laughs> uh, but but uh, do you, did you like it more than Owen and Bulldog in Germany? <laughs> I can't. That's a tough call. It's hard to compare. It is. Two very different matches. Owen and Tassel Boots, like... That was just, like, poetry in motion, you know? It was just so beautiful watching them that way. This was a little more raw. Yeah, yeah. It it was more aggressive and intense. They're, like, Tassel Boots and QPT, that was like watching ballet. Yes. This... This is like watching a rock concert. (laughs) Was fucking insane. But it was so good in its own way. Absolutely. That's the thing, is that there's different types of matches, and... People have their, uh, you know, uh, what matches do you like? What is your, uh, what do you want to watch more than anything else? What do you prefer? And that's the thing is you could prefer a hardcore match. You could prefer a cage match or a ladder match or some kind of gimmick match or just a straight up one-on-one beautifully wrestled mat classic or a submission match or what have you, right? And, you know, the difference between uh, Owen and Bulldog which is a Matt classic. The difference between an Austin and Brett at WrestleMania and the I Quit or the submission match. Mm-hmm. That was just absolute intensity, but amazing wrestling and everything with the double turn. Or this match was just a straight up great fucking cage match. Uh, you know, everybody has their preference of what type of matches they have, but uh, it's all wrestling in the end, right? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, we had to uh, kill some time so they could take down this behemoth of a cage. So they got the fucking New Jersey governor out, Christy the Tax Crusher Whitman. Oh, my God. (laughs) She's out with your grandpa. Grandpa. Grandpa Cosker and the headbangers who are from New Jersey. And uh, she's actually the one that crushed the tax that prevented WWE from running New Jersey for the longest time. So Mm. although she gets booed when she comes out, she has a bit of a face turn because she's actually the one that made this show happen. Mm. So good for her. And they also give her Undertaker's title. (laughs) (laughs) They literally give her a World Wrestling Federation title belt, and I guess she beat the Undertaker for it. Oh, my God. Uh, So finally we get through that, and we get to our next match, which is Boston Pizza versus Chicken Nuggy. Boy, there's some fucking heat here between these two with gold dust and brian pillman and pillman's coming out and he's got his fucking earthbound music full bore 
And, you know, uh, probably in about two minutes of this match, Pillman's more gold than gold dust. I know. <laughs> he was covered, covered in gold in makeup. Paint. It was hilarious. Yes. Yes, it was pretty hilarious. He was uh, gold, gold dust 2.0 in this match. Oh, man. But it was kind of, it wasn't the greatest match. And the problem with it is that Brian Pillman, he's not the wrestler he used to be. He's he's much like Deb. He's very pilled up. <laughs> and uh, he's got a lot of injuries. And and although he looks great, and he does a lot of great work in the gym, unfortunately, he's just hurting from the pain and all pilt up, and he can't really put on the Matt Classic or High Flying Fest that he used to in his earlier years in WCW. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an okay He's just unhinged. He's, he is unhinged, much like many other guys in the company, but he is unhinged, and unhinged enough where... Yeah, it's a very rough finish to this match. Uh, you know, Marlena gets involved where he goes for a uh, a uh, sunset flip over the ropes and back into the ring. But uh, they, they totally fuck the spot up. But either way, while Pillman is trying to stop the sunset flip, Marlena has the purse. And I don't know what's in that purse. Could have been a brick. Could have been fucking a bowling ball. Who knows? But she nails fucking pillman in the head with it he gets rolled up for the one two three and what was the stipulation for this match if brian pillman lost he has to wear one of her dresses yeah that's right the dress that's on the mannequin that, that he tries to rip to shreds exactly again yeah <laughs> so the next night our next episode on monday night raw august 4th in bethlehem pennsylvania uh brian pillman's gonna have to wear a dress now, how are they going to make him wear a dress? <laughs> I don't know. But, like, it would be funny. It is going to be funny. You're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> to see if he actually goes through with this dress wearing. Yeah. We go from two amazing matches to one not so much. And Hang we... on. Yeah, what? I still got to rate that one. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, you need a rating for uh, Goldust and Pillman? Probably a 2.3. 2.3. Got it. Done. All right. So we go from a 2.3 to So after a... this, you should just take my ad average. Yeah. Take the average. And that's the whole show that's rating. That's the whole show rating. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Some parts I'm going to have to split up. But either way, we got Godwins, the hillbilly fucks, up against the spiky dino bros. I love them. Legion of Doom. But do I have to see the hillbilly fucks? <sighs> I don't want to. We really don't want to. And uh, So I lose points because of hillbilly fucks. Lose points because of hillbilly fucks for sure. Uh, but so far in this pay-per-view, you are 2-0 and on your predict, uh, predictions because you predicted Mankind would win the cage match. You also predicted Goldust would go over BP as well, mm-hmm. too, which everyone goes over Boston Pizza because that restaurant sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they keel over and die if they eat at the restaurant or hurl all their dinner oh over my God. a toilet bowl, much like the toilet bowl that is the United States of America. But we got our shouty promo from the Legion of Doom. A couple weeks back, we had a promo from the Legion of Doom going into this match with them saying, last time we broke your neck on accident, this time we're doing it on purpose. And the fact that we keep hearing about broken necks all over this 
pay-per-view. Yeah, you said that and you scared me. Neck breakers and spike pile drivers to broken necks and months of being out of action for Henry Godwin because he had a broken neck. It's also funny Justin mentioned to me when they were a babyface team, they were the overalls, but they had shirts on underneath. Now they don't now have they're shirts. Heels. So they don't have shirts. <laughs> How do they become bad? They took their shirts off. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, that, to my eyes, that was a very bad decision. So. Very bad. Logic, brother. But yes, uh, again, another nothing match full of neck breakers and spike pile drivers. And the LOD get the big W. Rating. Um... I do like that Spiky Dino Bros and they won. won. Yes. Still not impressed that I got to see Hillbilly Fox, but they lost. They did. So maybe I'll give it a 2.9. Higher than Goldust and Pillman. Yeah, just because that just it felt kind of weak to me that one. A little one. bit. It was, yeah. For sure. Okay, so we go from one train wreck to the next. And, uh, you know, uh, there's not much worse than 15 being killed and bombing somewhere in the world. But uh, this is almost as bad as 15 being killed and bombings. Uh, <laughs> it's the million dollar giveaway. Oh, my God. <laughs> and as I've Can I take to... off points because of this? <laughs> this was the worst. <laughs> but it was like. It's like a train wreck, though. You know, it's like it's so fucking bad and horrible, but you can't help but look away because it is such a train wreck. You got to watch it. Right? Oh, my God. No one fucking wins. And and the funny thing is they've been pumping up this whole fucking million dollar giveaway for literal months on television. The Here's announcer, bro, that was doing it was Todd so Pettingill. fucking pervy. Todd Pettingill, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, it's say, well, it's Sunny. What do you expect? Oh, I had to see Sunny. Yeah, like yeah. minus a point off the grand total <laughs> because of this. Yes. Uh, although, as I've been alluding to for a couple weeks now, how much of a train wreck this segment Fuck. is. Especially for the phone girly dealing with this fucking dial tones and all this shit. But, yes, it is the million-dollar giveaway. We have Ryan Chad. He is uh, 12 or 13 years old, and he got an all-expenses-paid trip to New Jersey to see SummerSlam, so at least he got something out of it. And he picks, so they have this whole board, uh, a WWF logo made out of keys, and there's 100 keys. So there's the coffin there, and it has a lock. And if you pick the correct key, it opens the lock, and you win $1 million. Holy shit. So... Mr. Ryan Shattuck, the 12-year-old, he picks number 52. And the next guy is Patrick Stevenson, or Wish.com, Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) Uh, He's really got the Stone Cold look here, but he's looked about 200 pounds lighter than actual Stone Cold. Yeah, he he was tiny. Yeah, he he was. And he picks number 13. So, you know, he ain't going to (laughs) win because he picked number 13. But the hilarious part of this... And the biggest train wreck part of this as well, too, is that they had to call two other people and get them over the phone live in front of 20,000 people to get them to pick a number to see if they'd win a million dollars with this lucky key. Here's the thing. The one guy wasn't even watching. (laughs) Well, the first one they called, it just kept ringing and no one was home. So, (laughs) okay. The next one gets disconnected. 
where where it's uh you know they it's a the number you have trying to call does it's not in service it's not in service please call again later so they're over two and you hear vince mcmahon on commentary with his nervous laughter he's like oh god this is a you shit know show he's hitting his mute button talking to the back saying what the fuck is this bruce damn it and it's just going off the rails real fucking fast. And even the announcers are, are alluding and talking about how slow Todd Pettigill is at dialing these numbers. Oh, he because he just wants to look down Sonny and Sable's tops. I mean. He don't. keeps asking them to lower the paper I mean, so he can see the boobs. I mean. Fucking pervert. I mean, don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> Herbert. <laughs> I love Pettingill. Uh, but uh, yeah, the first one, no one's home. The second one is disconnected. The third one, hey, Jonathan, are you watching SummerSlam? No, I'm not. <laughs> He's not even watching the paper. That was hilarious. <laughs> You think if you could possibly get a call on a pay per view to win a million dollars, maybe you should be watching the fucking pay per view? He said that his uh, cable provider didn't like. Yeah, carry it doesn't it. carry it. Doesn't carry what the paper. Fucking shitty cable provider doesn't carry SummerSlam. Like I mean, it show is the, the United States. That's very so. true. It's probably in like fucking Missouri or <laughs> fucking Oklahoma or Arkansas. Bitters. Tell us what I had it. Tell us would definitely have it. Tell us has a WWE network. Thank you very much. Brother. Yep. Uh, so yeah, SummerSlam didn't pick uh, pick up. Uh, with that cable company and he picked the number and he got it fucking wrong and then they dialed somebody else and they got it fucking wrong too but they were actually watching the show this time yeah <laughs> but yes uh todd pettingill isn't exactly the the fast dialing specialist that we needed him to be but didn't they get like a savings bond <laughs> they got a five thousand dollar the yeah they got a five thousand dollar savings bond from the wwe so there you yeah. go not too bad at least they got something out of that so finally they get to it fucking little ryan shattuck with his number 52 key gets picked Puts it in. Oh, he's crying. Sorry, he's crying. But then he gets a nice big titty hug from Sable. And Todd Pettingill says, you might not know it yet, kid, but that's better than a million dollars. Oh, my God. <laughs> the fucking testosterone here is phenomenal. Uh. <laughs> if I was a 12-year-old kid, I'd be okay with that, too. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Patrick oh, Stevenson Lord. goes up with his lucky number 13. Well, it's not so fucking lucky because he puts the key in. Oh, too fucking bad. You lose. And the big winner here is Vince fucking McMahon because he doesn't have to pay out a million dollars to these fucking losers. And the winning key was number three. It was number three because, of course, they had to prove that one of the keys actually did open the casket, right? Oh, yeah. They had to prove it's that. It's so funny to me that... It's literally keys and fucking clues and all this for months and months. And you can win a million dollars. Nobody fucking wins. No one. <laughs> and they wasted 20 minutes of fucking pay-per-view time to not give anybody any fucking money. What a train wreck. <laughs> Jesus a fuck. train wreck and a half. But at least we can laugh at it because it was quite funny. Uh, not as funny as fucking British Bulldog Tassel Boots. Because he is bizarre, so bizarre that he sticks his hands in cans of dog food, and he's up against Mr. Four Leaf Clover Street, Clover Drive himself, fucking Ken, the world's most dangerous man, 
Shamrock. Which, okay, dude, they showed a like promo picture yeah. before starting this mm-hmm. match. Yeah, which always do, yeah. He's ugly as fuck. <laughs> you think he's ugly? Yes. <laughs> he's not a good looking dude. I don't know. I think he's not that bad looking. He's built. That's your opinion. This is the opinion of a woman. <laughs> so it's more valid? Yes. <laughs> because, like, it's just, ooh, I just, no. Not your type. It's no. okay, bro. It's fine. No. It's fine. Give me tassel boots all day, every I, actually, day. I would, I would take tassel boots, too. Uh, but I like how they uh, had uh, the dog food all ready to go on the announcer, uh, the announcer's table. Or they had already a scoop, opened. And they had a scoop in there as well, too. So, you know, just in case Bulldog does lose this match, man, he's going to have to fucking eat crow or eat dog food, in his words. And that's what he's going to have to do. We also got a promo, a real quick promo, for one night only on September 20th, which is a show we're going to have to watch, is in Birmingham... England, we have a pay-per-view mm. in England, and this said pay-per-view in British Bulldog's hometown, mm-hmm. he will be defending his European title against Shawn Michaels. Ooh. Whoa, Shawn Michaels versus the Bulldog in England. Wow. They're not going to let him win in his hometown. No. They're not that nice. They do that very rarely. They do it for Brett. Because Brett's a whiny ass yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, for Brett, but who was on that team as well? Bulldog. I know. But the thing is, is it was in Brett's hometown. What about Shawn Michaels beating Sid in San Antonio at the Royal Rumble? Well, of well, course well, he was going to beat Sid. Well, of course. Yeah, it's his hometown. There's been a few times. Of course he was going to beat Sid. It, yeah, it's very rare, though. And like... They just, they're just not, you know, there's other people that could have went won in their hometowns that would have been nice to see. And of course they're like, mm, no, <laughs> we're ripping the rug out from under you. Well, well, I guess we'll see. Birmingham, England. Yeah. That'll be a big match. But uh, this big match right now, so many times, like the Godwins and now fucking Bulldog and Shamrock, that ring skirt on the side of the ring there, they kept fucking pulling that over it. You were really getting, getting so It's getting all my pissed. fucking OCD, dude. Wow. <laughs> Fix the fucking ring skirt, damn it. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're only a few minutes into this match and fucking Shamrock, he is fucking He's so tired. blown the fuck up. He's gassed beyond belief. I mean, sure, he's a built dude, strong as fuck, but man, put in those fucking cardio days, dude. Like, what are you doing? Mm. We're like three minutes in this match and he's gas so they keep going to the rest holes headlock after headlock after bear hug after headlock it's like get over yourselves man we understand ken chamber can't go more than three minutes uh but yeah so we get to the outside and then bulldog takes matters into his own hands as he sticks his hand in the dog food can again and that rhyme brother uh, and he fucking <laughs> throws it at Ken Shamrock. And what he, does like, Shamrock didn't he do? Didn't he shove it in he his mouth? He shoved it in his face and shit, yeah. And uh, what does Shamrock do? It he, was fucking ballistic. He fuck. You know what? I was just going to use that word, ballistic. Good on you, bro. Love <laughs> that word. Ballistic. Oh, my God. It sounds like ball lipstick. Ew. But it's ballistic. <laughs> Either way, he goes fucking off the deep end. He gets into his zone. All right. 
He's going to knuckle up. Can we not with zones <laughs> and knuckling up? <laughs> That's what Ken Shamrock's character is. He's in the zone. And he really gets in the fucking zone here. And he does not know what's going on because he is taking out everybody. He puts a rear naked choke on fucking Bulldog for an eternity. Probably as long as Austin had Brett and that sharpshooter back in April. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got this choke on forever. Holy shit. I remember this choke being this fucking long. But Bulldog is not in a good way. And so when they finally, like, 17 fucking refs and agents finally pry him off of Bulldog, what does he do? He goes fucking ballistic again. He starts taking out fucking refs, agents. He goes after everybody. Fucking belly-to-belly suplexes, fucking body slams. He goes after everyone. We got a wedgie pick on the side of the ring. We did, though. Yes, we did. A wedgie pick. And also a fucking thong, a half thong from Ken Shamrock himself. Yeah. Not as good as an Ahmed thong, but still a thong nonetheless. His his ass just doesn't do it for me. And uh, we get another great catchphrase. Not knuckle up, not fucking in the zone. It's get out of my way. That's Ken Shamrock. Yeah, that one, like as much as Tassel Boots was in it and everything... I gotta give it like a 1.8. 1.8? The lowest one yet? He just, it just. Uh, Four Leaf Clover just does not do it for me. And he could be facing one of the most amazing guys. Yeah. Like the guys that I love. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he brings it down. Fair enough. He brings the rating down. Fair enough. Tassel boots, fuck yeah. All day, every day. Stone Cold Steve Austin, all day, every day. Thonginator, fuck yeah, especially with a thong. <laughs> um, all day, every day. But. Shamrock? He just. Not so much. Dulls everything. Yeah, a little He's bit. He's very dull. Yeah, fair enough. And I'm just not digging it. Fair enough. Yeah. Ken Shamrock. Next World Wrestling Federation champion. Uh, what? Just kidding. <laughs> or am I? Uh, Don't so we do go, that to me. <laughs> so uh, what do you get? A 1.8. Wow. Well, uh, how can we get even lower than a 1.8? Oh, you this get out the Puerto match. Rican Backstreet Boys versus the <laughs> PP Touch Boys. <laughs> That's even worse. The Puerto Rican Backstreet Boys versus the PP Toucher. <laughs> <laughs> fucking killing me here. What? It's too good. <laughs> Pee Pee Touch you Boys. You told me a fucking year ago that we started a podcast where you would be so into wrestling that you would call the Disciples of Apocalypse the Pee Pee Touchers. <laughs> I'd say you're on crack. But here we are. <laughs> here we are, brother. <laughs> I'm losing my shit. <laughs> God, so if you want to get any more terrible than the last match, <laughs> oh contraire, mon frere, we're going to get way lower on this one, right in the fucking toilet bowl, that is the US of A, and it is, uh, you know, you love how uh, uh, going into the match, you know, they show the graphic, it's like this guy versus this guy, yeah. like you said with Shamrock and Bulldog, they show the pictures of them, and and on the background, and it's hilarious. On this one, they showed uh, the graphic DOA versus Los Pariquas, and Vince even says, "This next ten man tag faction warfare." So he says, "Ten man tag." It's an eight man tag. <laughs> it's not ten. 
there's only four guys on each side. So not only that, he says 10-man tag, and even on the graphic, it shows eight guys, and it says eight-man tag on the graphic. <laughs> and he says Shows how much tag. they actually care about this. Right? They can't even how get little the they care. That's the thing. They can't even get the number of guys right in this fucking <laughs> And it's Los Bariquas against the Disciples of Apocalypse. And finally, DOA finally have their entrance music. And it's their uh, entrance music that they will use for the eternity of I this I didn't group. even pay, to, uh, pay any attention to it because I was like, Ugh. Yeah. Do we have to suffer through this? I, think, I would have uh, loved a fast forward on that. Yeah, it would have been great. Uh, uh, although we do have the under faker in this match, Mr. Brian Lee or Chains of Disciples of Apocalypse, who was the fake undertaker at SummerSlam 94. Mm-hmm. The under faker. <laughs> Million dollar man Ted DiBiase's <laughs> undertaker. And, uh, yeah, it's just a whole nothing match. They literally pay zero attention to any of the in-ring action. No one cares. Zero reaction whatsoever. But then... We are the nation of domination! The only thing that makes this fucking match even somewhat interesting is we get a thong. Well, no. A nader. You get to see him, thong a nader, but no thong. If, honestly, if there was a thong, it would have saved this rating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But there was no thong. Unfortunately, there was no full-on thong. There was only... I will add 0.2 points to the point i was gonna give this like rating for this match so uh the thonganation of domination actually gets extra points because only him <laughs> it's only him that's it yes. uh, i love how when they finally everybody started getting involved in this uh was it i think it was chains on the outside he kind of you know slapped ahmed and then ahmed it, for some reason, the fucking mat was already pulled up on the cement floor. So it, it looked like he was going to give him his Pearl River plunge, uh, but he had him in pile driver position, but then he actually gave him a half Pearl River plunge, but didn't hook the arms. So it's like Ahmed's been gone for so long that he's forgotten how to do his own finisher. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Either way, it, it's a pile driver plunge, uh, not on the cement. It ended up being on the mat anyway, so it didn't match. It didn't matter. But the Bariquas actually get the win in the ugliest match of the night because no one fucking cares. 
And not only that, everybody brawls. All three factions are brawling. And then Crush gets on his motorcycle. I love he takes it around the ring, comes up the ramp. It looks like he's going to run over somebody. And Vince fucking sells it, too. He's like, oh, my God, he's going to hit somebody with the motorcycle. And as he's driving the motorcycle down the ramp, uh, no one sells him possibly driving a motorcycle (laughs) into them. And he just leaves. He just straight up fucking takes off. That's it. So, <laughs> Crush is just fucking <sighs> driving away for his life. And uh, I guess he's going to fill up the tank or something. I don't know. Something. <laughs> so, I give that one. I was originally going to give it a 0.3. Whoa. But we get two extra points for fucking Because Thonginator. of Thonginator, it's a 0.5. Wow. <laughs> That's generous, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know who Owen Hart is, babe? Yeah. I was the man who beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh my god! I was the man who beat Stone <laughs> Cold Steve fucking Austin. Constant. I was like, who beat Stone Cold Steve oh Austin? My I was the man god. who beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I I can't remember who pinned Stone Cold Steve Austin at Canadian Stampede. I was the man who beat Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin. Fuck sake! If you didn't know, if you don't know, now you know. Sega Genesis and no, oh, he's not letting you forget it. Oh yeah, there's no way. And Same with the whole I'm a slammy two times slammy award winner. Of course he is. He's all amazing. the time. He's an intercontinental champion. It's just champion. so funny how he never lets anyone forget anything. Exactly, because he was the man who beat Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> and we get the intercontinental title match. And holy shit, dude! If Stone Cold can't kick his ass, he's gonna kiss it. So he better pucker up and kiss Owens ass or derriere or behind or vodonkadonk whatever verbiage you like to use uh, how would you describe my ass of all those you know different words you can say booty <laughs> d-a-t booty dat booty that's it dad's booty oh my god <laughs> dad booty my favorite <laughs> the greatest the goat booty Wow. Uh, But yeah, Owen and Stone Cold, they're going to have a spirited tussle here for the Intercontinental Championship match. You like, I like how they're starting to do, you know, how they did the Mankind retrospective, the Gold Dust retrospective. They're doing a little bit more backstage stuff. Another one that they do here is that Stone Cold's walking to the gorilla position to come out for the match. And they're showing him backstage getting ready for it. And then Michael Cole trying to interview him while he's walking to the ring. Austin just kind of pushes him away, telling him, you know, stick that bow tie up your ass, right? <laughs> Michael Cole isn't exactly the legend uh, at this time that he is nowadays. So it is pretty funny to see skinny Michael Cole in 1997 with his little bow tie. But... Uh, yeah, they show the backstage of him going to the ring, and they show him walking out, and oh, fucking shit, dude. And fucking reaction of the night goes to... Hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin, the toughest son of a bitch I ever saw. It's Stone Cold, and uh, I think Brett, Sean, and Taker are shaking in their boots because... This fucking reaction for Austin, holy fuck. Everybody is in this guy's corner. Everybody wants to see this guy win the Intercontinental title match. And the main eventers are not too happy about this massive new killer fucking reaction for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. 
And there's a reason for that. Well, Brett's not happy no matter fucking what. Doesn't matter. Because yeah. it's in the States. He's like, fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. So they're not going to cheer on any Canadian guys because that's who America has been fighting against. They're going to cheer Stone Cold Steve Austin. People more. still peer, cheer for peer, still cheer for The Undertaker, but Stone Cold has just been going through like this huge thing lately it feels like bigger than anybody else like he's built so everyone, much momentum like everyone's wearing stone cold shirts everyone's wearing stone cold shirts fuck yeah uh, i mean i'm not mad about it and you believe to this day 2023 he is still the second highest merch mover in wrestling i mean i believe it yeah, absolutely man 25 26 years after this and he's still selling austin 316 shirts yeah that's the fucking popularity of Mr. SCSA himself. I do like how Owen tried to bite off his middle finger in this match. Psychology, oh my God. dude. Can't flip anybody off if he fucking doesn't have a middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> but he gives him a vicious neck breaker. Neck breaker, you say. Mm, mm. I don't Another like Another neck breaker. Hmm. And they even allude to Austin's neck problems that he's had throughout his career. Okay. So we get the German suplex from Owen that also makes Austin land on his neck. He gives him the camel clutch where he pulls on his head to put pressure on his neck. Oh, boy. So remember, I've been kind of saying, you know, there's two different Stone Colds. There's pre-neck break Stone Cold who flipped and flopped and flew around the ring and bumped like a boss. And then there's post neck break Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Who, although is still a great wrestler, had to alter his style because of his broken freaking neck. Mm-hmm. So this was the match that had happened pre-match. Owen and Austin had a conversation. Owen said, I want to do the Tombstone pile driver, but I'm going to land on my ass because that's how I do it. And Austin's like, no, you're going to land on your knees because that's the safer way to do it. And Owen's like, no, I'm going to land on my ass. It's going to be okay. I'll protect you. And Austin was very apprehensive about that. And they got into the match and he did it. He landed head first. He lost all feeling below his neck. Mm-hmm. Nothing moved. He couldn't feel anything after this tombstone. Oh, and you could tell something was something wrong. Something was wrong right away. Absolutely. It happened. He couldn't move, and he was down for a while. You're wondering, what is going on? So Owen's just trying to stall for time because he knows he can't have his ass kissed by Stone Cold Steve Austin because mm-hmm. that would kill his character. But uh, Austin's going to win this match. He can't kiss his ass. He's got to win the Intercontinental title. So how is a fucking damn near paralyzed guy supposed to roll up Owen and win this match? So finally... After a few minutes, he starts feeling, getting feeling back into his fingers and his extremities. Finally, gets up somehow and has the saddest roll up in wrestling history. Gets the one, two, three, and we have a new Intercontinental Champ. But man, has there been just a dark cloud over this match. And it is one of the biggest moments in Stone Cold's career, but not for the right reasons, just because. He went from an amazing in-ring competitor to mainly a punch-kick brawler because of his neck injury. Yeah. What did you think when this happened? 
I I could tell something was off. Yeah. Like right away, and I was like, and you kept hinting towards broken the neck necks, breaks, the broken neck, and yes. I was like, please not him. Yep. And it was, and I was like, fuck. Yeah. It is a very dark. Why day. couldn't it be Brett? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, brother. Fuck. Uh, it would be later years where Brett would get kicked in the head and end his career because of it, but it wouldn't be in this company. Mm. Uh, but uh, yes. Oh. Later, later years. Oh. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, this happened. It was a very dangerous spot. Um and very unfortunate, but at the time it is not like this. This is twenty six years ago, where these days this happened. This guy would would not be wrestling anytime soon. Full on test everything, doctors, neck surgery, you name it. He'd be gone for a long time. Back then, again, not as good technology, not as good care when it came to wrestlers and with neck injuries, especially in the USA. And they played it off <laughs> as, oh, he just suffered a stinger, maybe. You know, just a little neck injury. It's nothing that bad. And then later on, they re- realized he broke his fucking neck. And much like Kurt Angle, who won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck, Stone Cold Steve Austin won the Intercontinental Championship with a broken freaking neck. Jesus. But I will tell you right now that, yes, Stone Cold will not be wrestling for quite a while. No. He will still be on TV. Okay. So don't you fret. Don't you worry. We may miss a week here or a week here with Stone Cold, but it'll still be on TV. Okay. But it's not the same. I know. It's okay. But yeah, that's the thing. What happens to the Intercontinental title now? What happens to the tag team titles? What the fuck? Right? He's a double champion now. So he can't can't wrestle for the foreseeable future. How's he supposed to defend it? He's going to have to relinquish the titles? No, that's not fair. Life's not fair, baby. Fuck. Yes, I know. It's very, very sad. Better not go, Brett. I'll be fucking pissed. (laughs) No, Brett's too busy winning the fucking world title in the main event. Hang on. I didn't rate the last one yet. (laughs) What did you get for the the neck breaker match? Otherwise, it was a good match. Good match leading up to it, yes. But that ending was so heartbreaking. Yeah, it really was. Oh, uh, four. Four out of five. Second best match of the night. Only so lost a point because of the unfortunate situation. That. Otherwise, if it had gone the way it was supposed to, like if he had done the knees and not the ass. Yes. And he was fine, it would have been amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because that, like, it, they just, like, it wasn't a beautiful match. It wasn't no. one of those ones that was, like, but it was, like, it held your attention. Yeah, and it was a good ass-kicking contest. And the fans yeah. were so into it, too. They wanted to see Austin take out no, Owen, right? hundred percent. You know, and it was great for Beat what it was. the Canadian boy. Right, exactly. But it, it was good for what it was. Very unfortunate ending. But you will now see... How different the trajectory is for Stone Cold Steve Austin post neck break, <sighs> unfortunately. I don't like that. Oh, you don't like that. But you'll like this main event, won't you? Bret Hart versus The Undertaker for the World Wrestling Federation Championship with Shawn Michaels. The Heart Break Kid as the referee. 
Oh, you're just staring daggers right now, aren't you? If you could see into this fucking podcast, you would see the absolute fire in the eyes from my wonderful wife looking at me, staring a hole through me, ready to pounce, ready to kill (laughs) because of this next match. Fuck Brett Hart. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, yes. Um we get the intros. You sound so nervous. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. At least you don't have a drumstick to hit me with right now. But <laughs> we got the World Wrestling Federation title matches. Canada versus America's Brett versus Taker. How can Shawn Michaels be impartial in this fucking match? You know what? He did a great job. And you know what? He did a fucking awesome job. He was impartial. He did great. He was getting on Undertaker's ass, and Undertaker yeah, was getting and so Undertaker annoyed. He was not happy. <laughs> he was because, not so thrilled. So we'll get to that in the match. I love how Shawn Michaels still got his pyro at the beginning of the match. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> that was funny. So uh, Jim Ross is hilarious. He's just like, oh, I guess every, I guess every ref's going to need pyro after this. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, uh, another great line from Jerry the King Lawler in this show is that HBK is jealous of a corpse at a funeral. That's how much he loves attention, uh, which is quite true. Uh, yeah, but it's funny. Uh, HBK starts the match. Uh, but before he starts the match, he checks both guys to see if they have any weapons on them. Checks the boots, checks the hands. He checked... Brett a little more thoroughly. Oh, of course like, he but, did. Of course he know. did. But he still checked but the Undertaker. Also, we know that Brett, you know, cut has a penchant for Austin. That. So yeah, so maybe he could have something on him, but he doesn't. But good on HBK doing his due diligence and checking both guys for weapons, being impartial. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when they take powders out to the outside of the ring. Sean starts up the 10 count and you know, he's going to count a little faster because, Hey, if, if Brett gets counted out, he loses, he's done. Right. So he's going to push this DQ or count out narrative. That's going to get him to that loss that much quicker. But, Oh boy. As if enough is going on in this match. Kate is this motherfucker comes out and I'm like, can someone please just put him like down, get him put down, done, dead by put me out of my misery with this fucking bullshit. Paul Bear. <sighs> Losing points because of his appearance. Paul Bear is making his appearance and he's coming down the ramp just to give you the little inkling, that little seed that could sprout that. Yes, Kane is alive. Where's Kane? When is he coming? Is he coming in this match? Is he going to interfere? We're going to finally see Kane. Well, here's Paul Bear and Undertaker. <laughs> makes a beeline for him gets out of the ring right away <laughs> gives him a couple of huge shots and paul bear goes rolling down the floor <laughs> much like a bowling ball literally bowling like a ball bowling bear ball. <laughs> oh my god yes uh and then owen and pillman are in for some reason as well but not bulldog and not neidhart who seem to miss his flight to the show because every <laughs> single member of the heart foundation is here sans anvil because he's probably fucking tits up somewhere fucking high as shit but either way he probably missed his flight in a bar somewhere else in canada or georgia or where the fuck he was and uh only owen and pillman are coming in for moral support of course no intentions on interfering in this match whatsoever (laughs) 
<laughs> but Undertaker gets the big choke slam, ready to fucking uh, you know pin Bret Hart in the middle of the ring. Please, please, please. You like how Undertaker does that little backwards three sixty out of the ring? Yeah, yeah, he's awesome with that. He lands on his feet and everything, and he takes out Owen and uh, Pillman. And the unfortunate thing is when he gets Brad in the choke slam, he's looking to get the one, two, three here with the darkness pin. Shawn Michaels is on the outside throwing out Owen and Pillman. He's distracted on this count. So Taker gets up and he pulls he's Shawn pissed. Michaels up. He's like, you fucking get your ass in here and count this three. But Shawn Michaels is like, hey, look at this fucking shirt. I'm the law, man. You don't fucking put your hands on me. And also, too, he was trying to take care of another problem True. because they could have come in and interfered in that point. Yep, that is true. So, again, he's doing his job. He's doing his due diligence. He's impartial. But that's why they should have two refs. Like, have one, like, main one, but then have a guy out for, like, the bullshit outside the ring. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, brother. That's not professional wrestling. <laughs> yeah, well, professional wrestling needs to learn a thing or two. <laughs> uh, you just need to learn a thing or two about professional wrestling and how it works. <laughs> We're, they're not watching us watching their show. We're watching their show, dude. <laughs> yeah, and they well. make up the rules as they go along, dude. And uh, Clearly as they go quite along. Quite clearly. Uh, Brett gets Undertaker in the sharpshooter. And as I said before, once you're in the sharpshooter, unless it gets broken up by someone else, you're in it for good. That's the end of the match. Game, set, match, game over. JK booty bump. Holy shit. Undertaker's gigantic fucking booty is able to bump <laughs> off Brett. And he is the first Well, it man. helps, too, that he's so tall. No, he's 6'10 and a half. And he, it gives him that extra leverage. Sure. But this is the first man in history to break the sharpshooter completely and so much so that he booty bumps him literally out of the ring and halfway up the fucking aisle holy shit so people went nuts because that's never happened no one has ever broken the fucking sharpshooter so of course on the outside Brett goes for the fucking sharpshooter on the post but then he gets thrown off and he bumps into fucking Sean Michaels. Michaels is down, but of course he's not gonna take a ref bump like any ref would because he's Shawn Michaels. He's not gonna lay down dead for ten minutes after no. getting pushed. But during that time that he is down, Brett takes it upon himself to go grab a steel chair. And holy fuck does he haul off and deck Undertaker. Major headshot. Throws the chair, but doesn't throw it out of the ring. Only throws it to the corner. Mm-hmm. So that's a big fucking little piece of the puzzle here that he doesn't throw the chair out still on the apron tell Shawn Michaels get your ass in here count three one two two point nine 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 Undertaker kicks out of the fucking chair shot man but then Shawn Michaels sees something what's going on what's this fucking chair in the corner so he grabs it and he's like Brett what the fuck you doing using Mm -hmm. this chair I'm gonna fucking disqualify you that's it you're gonna lose that's gonna be the end of it Using this fucking chair? Brett's like, no, no, no. I ain't using the chair. I use the fucking chair? I use the fucking chair. Fuck <sighs> you. You're using the fucking chair. So what does Brett do? He fucking hawks Bits. a loogie to end all loogies. 
bits. You could still see it like after. It was on his face and his neck. Yeah. And even after he wiped his face off, still it was still there. Still there. Still there. So he, uh, Brett disgusting. knew how to fucking hawk a loogie back in the day. Ew. And he spits right in the face of Shawn Michaels. And you think Shawn Michaels is going to take that shit? Oh, fuck no. No fucking fuck way. Fuck no. So he's got a chair in his hand. What is he going to do? He's going to fucking nail Bret Hart. And it may cost him his fucking job, but who cares? He's going to nail Brett, but Brett ducks. Mm. And Shawn Michaels destroys the Undertaker with a steel chair shot and says, shit, what the fuck did I just do? Brett gets the cover, motions Sean over. Sean knows he has to count this three. And he stares Brett dead in his fucking eyes. One, two, three. New fucking world champion. Pissed. Five-time world champion. The winner of this mount. And no World Wrestling Federation Champion Brett the Hitman Five time, five time, five time, five time, five time, five time World Wrestling Federation Bro, Champion sucker and Brett the Hitman Hart dethrones the Undertaker. I don't like Swift it. Swift fucking justice canada's on top again brett is the world champion all is well that ends well in canada brett is the champion bullshit (laughs) cut your promo babe i'm just so pissed (laughs) clear the deck here it comes (laughs) Uh, you go girl you do it i love that sean was the referee and he did a great job he did a great job until the end but like, fuck, I would have been like, I wouldn't have hesitated. I would have been like, bitch, you're disqualified. Right. But he didn't actually see him use the chair. No, but still, you could tell. Once a snake, always a snake. But he didn't actually see it. <sighs> sure. But now, <sighs> how do you feel about the dichotomy of all this now? Because what is Undertaker going to think about Shawn Michaels? He cost him this fucking world title. Oh, he's fucking he's pissed. pissed. He's going to be out for blood. He's fucking pissed at Sean. And, you know, through all of this. And look at it from, like, a you know, an actual, not a storyline perspective, but, like, an actual backstage perspective. And building this match, this was, you just take a step back and see how beautiful this was. Every single piece was in its mm. proper spot. Shawn Michaels cost the Undertaker, had to look at Bret Hart while he counted the three, knew that he had to do that. It was just beautiful the way they built this. It was a wonderful, wonderful angle that they, you know, they couldn't have done anything better with this. It had you on the edge of your seat at all times. And then they throw the ultimate swerve. <laughs> what if they say that because Sean cost the Undertaker the match, technically, that he's in cahoots with Bret Hart. Could you imagine? Fuck Bret that. Bret and Sean together. 
Fuck that. Leave it up to Vince McMahon to do something like that to put mortal enemies in real life. To tag I'm still team. waiting for Brett to get fired for assaulting Vince. <laughs> Believe me, he's not going to be the only guy to assault Vince going forward. Ugh. Oh, man. And what do you give? Okay. What do you give the first 99% of this match? <laughs> First 99% was probably a 4.8. Whoa, big time. And then fucking Brett won. He did. And that dropped it like four points. <laughs> so 0. 0.8. <laughs> Pissed. <laughs> so Cage you, match was the best. Cage match, actually, you know what? After everything is all said and done, I felt I loved the finish of this match. Just so well done. Uh, but I actually did enjoy Mankind and Triple H the most. It was just so much fun. It was great. Good fun. Great match. China may have fucked up the finish, but whatever. You know, and uh, I could see that too. Like I was watching that and I was like, she's trying to drag him out, but he's not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. And then she's like, oh, and she leaves the ring. Yeah. I was like, why is she just leaving? Yeah. She jumped the gun. (laughs) Dummy. But yeah, as great as this, uh, you know, this pay per view had some pretty banger matches on it for sure. Uh, but overall, <laughs> what's the takeaway? <laughs> Brett the Hitman, Hearts of Five Time Champion. Pissed. And Stone Cold broke his neck too. Ooh, uh, man. Yeah, that's that a, just sucks. a bad look. But uh, yeah, so Undertaker, he held it March, April, May, June, July, August. Five months the Undertaker almost held this title for. Defended it a multitude of times. It was a good run while it lasted, but now The Undertaker will not be champion again, possibly for the foreseeable future, at least for a little bit anyways. And yeah, Brett's champ. Fuck that shit. And how long is Brett going to be champ for? That's the question. (sighs) Better not be long. Guess we'll see. Fired? Please, please tell me he gets fired. Not fired. Doesn't get fired, bro. Sorry. We'll see. Montreal's coming. Uh, what? What does? What does that mean? What does that mean? That's for me well, to know, and for you. Don't to find hint out. that shit towards me, bro. I, I hinted. You can't do that. I hinted neck break. Do you know how fierce? The like desire to look up a spoiler is about Montreal. <laughs> oh, dude, do not type wrestling in Montreal in the same sentence because you're just gonna multitude of shit. Do not do that, okay? Please. <sighs> <laughs> don't do it, dude. You'll ruin everything. Just don't. But uh, yeah, no, I like to allude to things like when I talk about neck breakings and shit and, you know, Kane's alive and all that and Montreal and, you know, I'm just just mentioning things here and there. I'm not spoiling anything. It's just you don't know what's going on. I'm just alluding that it's these just are important. Not fair. I don't allude moments. things to you for One Tree Hill. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. Like what? All sorts of things. Like dude. what? You allude to things. 
You you tell me when to pay attention to certain parts. You tell me when well, this no, is an important line. In it's the show. because I like you are looking down at your notebook writing, and it's like no, you need like this part's important. You yeah. need to watch. But this. also, you know, just oh, listen to this line. This is important. I was like, okay, like I don't know, and much like this too is that you know, hey, these things. Yeah, but you important. alluded to something in the future. Yeah, Montreal. 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 Bro, Montreal, don't do that brother. shit to me. That's Montreal. not fair. Montreal. That's not fair. <laughs> it will just make the anticipation that much better when it <sighs> actually goes down. Montreal. Uh, highly enjoyable pay-per-view. Uh, watching it back after all this time, man, it holds up. Holy shit. What was my average? I guess I'll have to figure that out. Uh, 2.76 average. <laughs> so a little bit above average. I mean, obviously the greatness of the main event, the Austin Owen pre neck break match and the cage match definitely put it over. But then you had the 10 man, eight man tag to really bring it down. And of course the, the whole fact that Austin broke his neck and Bret Hart is the world champion. <laughs> you still reeling uh, from that after watching that? I, We were talking about the podcast and like watching wrestling and One Tree Hill and stuff at work today. Okay, yeah. Just like before the end of the day. Yeah. And I just, my team was like, you look frustrated, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I was like. I love how wrestling is affecting your daily life now. I appreciate that. It's not supposed to. <laughs> but it does. Because you think about it and you're just like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. That's the beauty of wrestling, dude. I like it. It's awesome. You just got to, you're along for the ride now, you know? And I'm so jealous of you because you get to experience this all for the first time, I'm not knowing what's going you on. You are experiencing sure. One Tree Hill. Absolutely. But uh, I'm especially jealous of you <laughs> just because this has been my life. For the better part of fucking 30 years. So, you know, it's just one of those things that, man, you're so lucky to be going through this as an adult. Yeah, I made fun of how nerdy you were today. Of course you do. It's all you do. We talked about your video game collection. Yeah. And Kevin thinks it's cool you have so many vintage consoles. Cool. And stuff, but... We were making fun of how nerdy you are Good. and how many Stone Cold Steve Austin figurines you have on your shrine. Fuck yeah. And actually, Dustin thinks it's pretty cool you have signed Bret Hart shit. Of course he does, because he knows the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. <laughs> and you know it. <laughs> and you know to follow us at TreeHillWF.podcast. Why? And listening in on all streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Brett. Google Podcasts, Brett. Fuck You, Brett, <laughs> iHeartRadio, and Audible. Brett, not uh, Brett. <laughs> Fuck Brett. Oh boy, dude, man, where do we go from here? My mom kept saying, oh, I still like Brett as a name for the baby. And I was like, no, absolutely. No. Fucking. She said it yesterday. 
Oh my god! After and I was like, <laughs> after last night, there's no fucking way, <laughs> <laughs> no way. Ah, uh, the goat. No, Brought the hitman heart. Thank you very much, and I bid you a Brett. <laughs> Bitch, bye.